Good morning, family. It's so good once again uh, to spend time together with you. And uh, this today, our reading is going to be taken from different places, largely in the uh, Book of Romans, in which I find uh, Paul writing to defend the things that were being said and spoken about concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I find him in his discussions, I find that uh, he leaves nobody outside of his defense of the gospel. And he makes some contentious issues that come to pass, which I'm hoping that we can discuss today. But uh, I want you to bring yourself to a position of rest. And so to kick us off in that direction, I'm going to read the Psalms 37. Because I I believe that when uh, your spirit man is not at rest, you're not going to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Especially in the time that we are living in where truth is being held in contempt. But it is being done in such a subtle way that if you are not discerning it is very easy to be taken by the lie that is being perpetuated at the moment. But Psalms 37 says we need to find rest in God. So let us just read it together. And also, please prepare your your communion uh, emblems. At the end of this year, we will partake of the Lord's table. But let's read Psalm 37 from verse 1. I think we'll read up to verse 6. But you can continue. Verse 1 says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and verily you shall be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth your righteousness as a light, and your judgment as a noonday. And I had to contrast this here because I believe that the way the Bible is constructed. There is a problem that uh, it wants to answer to. And a problem the writer of, uh, which in this case is David, he highlights to us the need to stay focused on the things that God has spoken. We find in uh, Psalms 36 verse 1, where it says the transgression of the wicked says within their hearts that there is no fear of God before their own eyes. It says for people that say there is no God or do not fear God, it says, verse 2 says, for they flatter themselves in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He has left off 
to be wise and to do good. He devises mischief upon his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not hate evil. That's a worker of iniquity. And then in verse 5, he says, that is Psalms 36, verse 5. You know, I always find that there is this beautiful contrast in the way God would have us to be instructed. We walk around everywhere where we go. You will find uh, those that are believers, and you'll find, obviously, that they are no believers. But the most dangerous part is the pseudo-believers, who with their mouth say they believe in the holiness of God, and that their lives are ordered and orchestrated by the Spirit of the living God. But when you get to know their deeds, they are far from being the adherence to the word of God. Not because they are struggling to come to faith with God, but it is because they have become deceivers. They have been deceived that that which they do in darkness or in the absence of the glare of those that they want to please, they think their deeds will never be uncovered. And those are the people that are dangerous to the kingdom of God because they put a bad picture of the church of Jesus Christ. But in all that, I find that this overarching love of God that we would look at in Romans chapter 3 just now. And here verses, uh, uh, Psalms 36 verses 1 to 4, it speaks about the people that are deceived, people that have been overcome by evil, the plans that they continuously plan and put into place, hoping that they could hoodwink God. And yet at the same time, I find this in God. Verse 5 of Psalms 36. It says, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens and your faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. <laughs> in other words, the righteousness of God can never be removed. Or the righteousness of God, it is not invisible. It stands out like the mountains that everybody can see. It says, O oh Lord, you preserve man and beast. How excellent is your loving kindness, O oh God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of your house. And you shall make them to drink of the river of your pleasure. When we learn how to rest in God, these are the things that are available to every believer. But you know what? The church has begun to remove their eyes from God and they have gone to see those that are prospering even though they are not prospered by God. They have transgressed the law of God. David says, 
Verse 37 again, verse 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Neither become envious against the workers of iniquity. Maybe we don't envy their iniquity. And, uh, but the gains of the iniquity is what is so appealing to every human being, obviously. Because we do not want to take responsibility and commit our ways to the Lord. That's the answer that we get in verse 5. Commit your ways to the Lord and trust also in him, and he shall bring the desires of your heart to pass. I've said this in the past, that if you do not plan for your tomorrow, you will always be reminiscing about the missed opportunities. And when the next opportunity comes, you will uh, uh, always be overcome by the excuse, I can't do this, I can't do that. I'm saying let us learn to free ourselves from the self-imposed restrictions. The only restriction that you should impose yourself is walking away from God and thinking you can do better outside of God. I will say to you once again, come back to God. God is an answer to every need that you would have. But I will also urge you to learn how to use that talents that God has placed within you. You must not be moved by, by envy of what somebody else is doing because you will be running their race. You need to come back and run your own race. When you run your own race, you run where God has positioned you. You then can learn to, uh, to, to, to prosper. You would learn then how to come into, the, into God's rest because you are not looking at how somebody else is doing. You are looking at what God has placed you in. Child of God, it is of critical importance that you and I learn how to work in the field that God has placed us in. It might look glamorous when somebody else is doing, but you have no idea how much of time they have planted into that field that they are working. You don't know the tears. You don't know how much debt they are in to start the business that they are operating. Right now, opportunities are galore. It only needs one who will go before God and then carry through that desire. God is never short to bless He's ever ready to place his church on a king's highway because God is never honored in wrongdoings. He is only honored when we do things righteously. And so I thought I would just bring that contrast in because even the book of Romans, it is full of contrasts. It is full of... Uh, um, uh, uh, in our day, in 2021, especially 2020, it was so full of contradictions. So many people trying to disprove God, trying to nullify God. They are still trying today, Shane. They are battling to really saying God is no longer uh, of relevance to today. And I tell you what, God is more relevant today than he ever was. And I find it so ironic those, that those that are battling, it is not because God has cut them out to battle. It is because they are battling to believe in God. And the contrast I'm talking about here is between the Jews and the Gentiles. As uh, um, 
Paul will say to the Jews, the Gentiles find themselves in the position that they find themselves in that is without God, simply because to the Jews at that time, he says, because you have been a bad example of representing your God. And in our today's language, we can truly say, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have not done a very good job to represent Jesus as we ought to represent him. We have made the, our conversation with Jesus only for a Sunday. And yet, I don't know how, maybe we've never thought about it, but the reality is we behave ourselves differently in the marketplace than when we are in church. And that ought to stop from every person that will hear the sound of my voice. Become one with the word that you speak. If you say, I am of Christ, please don't be found using foul language. Please don't be found to be flirting with somebody that is not your wife or your husband. If you're a young person, don't be found doing things that are going to disqualify your testimony. You know, it is as simple as making a decision. When you have made a decision how you're going to live your life, it is a, only a matter of principle how then that which you have committed to God is going to work. Commit your ways to the Lord and the Lord will make sure that that which you have committed to him comes to pass. I'm going to read a you know, little snippets in the book of uh, Romans. I think we will end up maybe at chapter 12, but I'm going to skip a whole lot at the same time. Paul writes to the church that was already existent in Rome. He hasn't been to Rome, but he writes a letter to them. And he will express that, you know, I have a great desire to come to you and uh, impart some grace but up to this point I've had some hindrances in coming to you so I guess in preparation for, for, for that eventuality he writes a letter to forward it to them so I dare say whoever went in before Paul to set up the church in Rome or was it the expats that was uh, dispersed after I think uh, Acts chapter 8 where the church was being persecuted in uh, Jerusalem then it says everybody was uh, dispersed dispersed to the different parts of of the world at that time but whoever did that it seems to have done a good job because Paul uh, writes here he says in verse 7 he says to all that be in Rome beloved of God that are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, firstly, I want to thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of or spoken about throughout the whole world. He writes a letter of commendation to the church in Rome. That you have become a source of encouragement. Because everywhere he was uh, writing while he was in Corinth. He says, I find everywhere I go that there is talk of how well the church in Rome is functioning. How they, have, uh, they came to faith and they have learned how to honor the God of that faith. 
It says, uh, verse 9, it says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Isn't that an amazing thing? Where people are doing well. And Paul says, I don't stop thanking God for you because you have become such a covenant-keeping group of people that you have become such a beautiful witness to those that are around you. I did say it wasn't popular to being a Christian at that time. People were losing their lives. Just as it is now in the Middle East, people are losing their lives. Right here in Sudan, people are losing their lives as we speak because they have come to faith in Jesus Christ. In, uh, in China, Christians are being buried alive for their faith in Jesus Christ. So, I don't know if there was a time when it was popular to becoming a Christian all over the world at the same time. But to you in South Africa, I know in America right now, it's becoming an unpopular confession that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And so, but be encouraged. Even in all that, when they try to shut you down, God, God will elevate you. In verse 10, he says, I make request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey to come to be with you, to journey. Uh, let me read it again. Make, I'm, I'm thinking ahead. Making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God, to come to you. For I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift that you might be established. That I might bring comfort to you. Which is of mutual, mutual faith and mutual benefit for you and for me. Now I won't have you to be ignorant, my brothers, that oftentimes I purpose to come to you, but so far I was hindered that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among the Gentiles. And then, uh, as I say, the, the, the contrast that he brings in, he says, now, he is an apostle writing to people that have just been converted. And he says this in verse 14, which I found to be something that should guide believers in Christ Jesus. He says, I am a debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as it is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that I had Rome also. But verse 14, he says, I am indebted to the Greek and to the barbarian, to the believer and to the unbeliever, to the wise and to the foolish. He found that uh, he owed the responsibility, he owed it to every human race. Uh, uh, my, my notation was that Paul's disposition was whether rich or poor, whether educated or uneducated, you need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether you are the top 
sanctified saint, or you are gutter rotten. That's what they called us. <laughs> I was called a uh, gutter drunkard at <laughs> some stage of my life. I was called a gutter drunkard. But thanks be to God that he did not rule me out because of what man said. Because they said it out of ignorance. The lady before she died, we had to pray God's salvation over her. I had to lead her to the Lord once again. I had to help her with confessing her sins. That's the beauty of God. He fixes me. He fixes you. Because God's salvation so important. So, so very important. Um, but this is what I drew. Paul says, I owe everybody. I am indebted. In, in other words, he says, for my understanding of the workings of God, I draw from all streams, uh, from the worst to the best, and from the wretched to the saint. I draw strength from all of them because in the wretched, I see how God saved a wretch like me. And from uh, the, uh, the position of those that are well positioned, I understand that God called me even though I was a top-notch lawyer. Paul writes, not me, Paul. He called me even in my well-groomed position. God did not despair of me, did not allow me to be overtaken by my, his wealth. But God saved him. So he says, I draw from all of them. But verse 16, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And you will find in the book of Romans, there are many notations where, God, where Paul will write that it is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile or to the Greek. And then he will bring that up in, uh, in, uh, in chapter 3 to say, let's just go there, we'll come back to that. Chapter 3, verse 1. He says, what advantage then has the Jew or what profit is there of circumcision? And he says, much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God or the law of God was to the Jew. And so, if God were to do anything new, he would have to do it to those whose eyes were first opened. And so if God were to do anything to his church today or to the world today, he will have to do it in the church first. If God's judgment were to happen today, it will happen in the church first. Because, let's follow what Paul is saying, because I think it's relevant to, to, to today. He says, verse 3 says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? In other words, if the Jews, which they did, did not believe in Jesus, Paul is saying, if their unbelief in Jesus, them not believing Jesus, does it mean that the work of Jesus is made of no effect? Paul says, God forbid. Yes, 
Let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that you might be justified in your saying, and you might overcome when you are being judged. To all those that you hear trying to pass judgment on the church of Jesus Christ. Paul says their words will be proven to be without basis. And so their words will be defeated. They will fall flat because they cannot go nowhere. Why? Because the church of Jesus Christ is coming back to its original intent. It's coming back to its responsibility that God set out for it to do. And that brings me back again to then to verse 17 of chapter 1. He says, For therein is a righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. But for me, the crux to get to that it is verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. Yes, to the Jew first, and then to the Greek. And so, when we will begin to believe in the finished work of Calvary and become unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will find the overcoming power of every weakness that you might see in yourself. Sometimes we get too critical of ourselves and then we continuously condemn ourselves. I'm saying to you today, do not pay too much attention First, we read Psalm 37. Do not fret yourself about those that will do wicked things, those that prosper when they are doing all the wrong things. Place your trust in God. Place your plans in God. And God will make, God will make those plans to come to pass. Not you. Your responsibility is to have faith in God. Okay? Not saying that's, you know, you need to play around. And in uh, um, Romans, uh, then uh, uh, 1 verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. It's, you know, it needs your full attention when you read what Paul is writing. Because he's setting a standard. He's saying to those that are in the faith, don't become ambiguous. Don't become schizophrenic. Don't be a believer one day and the next day you're somebody else. Because he says the wrath of God will become visible to those who know the truth but do not walk with circumspection. In other words, they carry the aura of Christ but the things that are, they do and say deny the presence of God in their lives. Perhaps at times to fit in with the brass, to fit in with the company that you are in, you will speak contrary to that which is a witness inside of you. Be careful when you try to fit in into a company that God has delivered you from. I'm not saying we become exclusive, but at the same time, I would stress that we become God-like children, God-like believers, those that know that they are on a mission, those that know that they represent 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Those that are in Christ need to stand out like Psalms 36 where it says the righteousness of God stands like the mountains that cannot be moved. In other words, do not let, let circumstances define who you are. Your faith in God ought to define your faith in your God. So there's a whole lot of things that, that uh, we can glean, we can garner from Paul's uh, stressing that um, <clears throat> in, especially in uh, uh, Romans chapter 3. Because if we come back again to Romans chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Behold, you are called a Jew, and you rest in the law, and you make your boast in God. And know and that, that you know his will, and you approve the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. And you are confident that you yourself are guided to the blind. That you are a light of them which are in darkness. You are an instructor to the foolish. A teacher to babes. Which have the form of knowledge. And of the truth of the law. You therefore which teaches another. You teach you shall not. Uh, you teaches thou not yourself. You that teaches a man should not steal, but you steal. Holding the truth in unrighteousness. We say things, but we do not do things. We say to people, believe in God, but we don't believe in God. Or we don't exercise that faith that we expect everybody else to have. This is Paul's contention here. He says, you, we sit, I mean, it, it is an indictment against preachers like myself. That you want to instruct everybody how to do the things that you read out to them or you sermonize to them but you do not adhere to your own instructions. Paul saying God is going to judge these things here. And let us not blindly walk towards those things as though we have not been warned. God is busy warning us that if we want to be teachers, if we want to be seen or noted as believers in Christ Jesus, then our righteousness or our behavior must no longer have to be trumpeted before we get to the place. The word of our mouth must become visible or audible without us having to open our mouths. And therefore, lastly to you, Romans 12, which we always speak about. He says, I beseech you, verse 1, therefore my brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Presenting your bodies holy to God. In other words, I have to know what is a standard God demands. I must understand who God is. If I say 
God is love. Then my standard of loving must be on the principles of God. Where God loves unconditionally. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was before I sinned or I even existed or even I was a thought in my father's brain or life, whatever. The price was already paid for me. And so I must be drawn to that reality that God loved it is even before I sinned. But once I know the love of God, I then have lost the right to hate any person. That's what Paul is saying here. If you come to the standard of God, there are some things, church, that are non-negotiable. You cannot negotiate with God. Oh, well, I sinned because there's no negotiations. If you know the standard of God, you apply the standard of God to every situation. And God then honors his word. That is why it is written, Jesus said, when the tempter came to him. Because that's a standard by which God works. That's why I said to you last week, those who died having not known Jesus were judged by the law. Those that died in the time of Jesus, it is, did you Accept my son as your savior? Did you live according to the example that he left on the earth? What is your measure of godliness? I've never been able to equate how to measure holiness. All I know is that I am a rich. I sin daily. My repentance is continuous because I don't know when a thought will filter into my mind and cause me to sin against God. And so God set up a principle that is applicable to everybody. God is just. God is faithful. Those that will come in repentance to him, he is able to forgive. He is able to restart their lives. I don't know how it took Abraham so long to finally bear the fruit of the promise. Was it all the lies that he went about saying his wife was his sister? Was that a big lie? I've got no idea. But what was it? Except was God testing his faith? Testing his resilience? Are you going through a time right now when everything that you trusted God for is not working out? What steps have you taken to remedy that? Or have you rather went for the easy way out? Oh, well, I didn't believe that in the first place. I really don't think God really knows about me. Those, those are easy way out. Cop out, I call it. But God knows you by name. 
He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And his plans for your life and his purposes are packaged together. You can only find your purpose when you find Jesus as your personal savior. You won't find it elsewhere. There is no way that you will find satisfaction in the minutest of things except you come through Jesus Christ. Commit your day to the Lord and he will make your plans to come to pass. I firmly believe and I have seen it over and over again Whenever I will commit anything to God, I'm not talking about just talking about it. When from the very depths of my heart, I commit something to God, God has been faithful to cause it to come to pass. When I do things without trying to outsmart, trying to outdo. You know, I, I still work. I compete with a whole lot of people when I do a quotation. Even if I am given the quotation, I never work according to that quotation to try and get that job instead of somebody else. I work according to how I perceive it. If I lose it, so be it. I will never work to get something out of deceit. I have to get it because I merit getting that. Must be on merit must be because I'm a firm believer that God provides all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I ask you, be sincere with God. The things that you commit to God, be sincere with that. Be sincere with that. And you will see God has never failed. Nor is he about to fail you. If you are struggling, really sincerely struggling, go to God. Don't go and canvas people's opinion because then you will get a mixed bags of opinion and in the end, you would lose the very essence of being found in Christ Jesus. As I said, I, I find, you know, I think it's also in uh, Romans chapter 3 where Paul says, you know, in my unrighteousness, verse 5, says, but if our unrighteousness commends the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous? Because there were a few things that he was answering too. I just want to, just want to finish that thought and then we will close. The question is, is God a righteous judge? Does God make a distinction between people? Does he favor some over others? And the conclusion that Paul was bringing to us is that if God is biased, then he cannot be termed as a righteous judge. Nor can he be termed as a good God. But because God knows the plans that he has for each and every one of us, he has to have a standard that is set. And that standard is having faith in him.
that is able to do that which is going to bring you to an elevated position that you will represent him well. Because it's all about representation. At the end of the day, your salvation, it is about representing him to that dying world around you. There's no need for people to die outside of Christ when there's a Christian next door. Absolutely no need. I don't even have to go and preach to my neighbors. In fact, during the lockdown, my neighbors detained me on their wall in the hot sun for two hours. Two hours. Speaking about the things of God. Why? At that time, I guess they were fearful of the things that that were happening. And yes, they could have gone to anybody, but I dare say they saw the grace of God over our lives. And so they needed to hear the word that will comfort them. And I dare say we have a cordial um, relationship. And I do believe that we care for one another because their faith in God has been enhanced. Yes, it was a fearful time during lockdown. It was, I mean, you didn't even know that you were allowed to speak to your neighbor. But we did. We had to stand outside in that sun. But I tell you what, I only felt the heat when I walked away from them because we were so connected by faith in God. The beauty of the holiness of God. That's why Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, I don't do the preaching because it then makes me feel special or that uh, I do this year because I need man's commendation. He's saying because I am a debtor to every person that does not know Jesus Christ, I need to bring the gospel to them. To the wretched and to the well healed. Because Jesus is important to each and every one of us. Do not be silent. If you cannot speak like, like me, Pray that God uses your life as a vehicle to transport his presence to your neighbors, to your fellow workers, to your travelers, to everybody around you. Lord, I want to be the light, but I don't want to do it in my own wisdom I need the wisdom of God to come over my life. Lord, take my life, make it yours. And I find you will never find better satisfaction than presenting Jesus, being his ambassador. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Be the seeker. Be the seeker. I think it's, uh, um, if you would continue with Romans uh, 3, you will find that Paul stresses that. I think it's verse 11. He say, uh, Romans 3 verse 11. He says, right now, there are not many that are seeking God. Most of us are seeking to survive, are seeking to be well-liked, are seeking the toys that goes with being in this elite club. <laughs> it's not an elite club. To some people, it's a life and death situation. I tell you that. But even in that, the persecuted church, I think, is doing far better than you and I are doing. Because they are seeing God on a daily 
places, their lives, where they will tell you that uh, they, they know people that are coming, the persecutors are coming, but they are able to walk right through them. Oh, my God. When you realize how awesome is that, when uh, people are coming to do things, that nasty things to you, and you are able to ask the Holy Spirit to clothe you, and you can walk right past them. They can even ask you for directions, and yet they will never recognize who you are. That is when you will know God is alive, and God is working on the earth today. Come in. Come in. Jesus said, I must do the work while it is light because no man can do work when it's dark. And it is applying to our today, church. Come, let us work the works of the ministry. Let us allow our experiences to become profitable to those that have gone through struggle, those that haven't had the best of beginnings to their lives. That's why I, I, I'm free to share of my experiences that I've had. Because those experiences brought me to Christ. Brought me to Christ. And so, I, I don't get angry of my nightmares that I have had. Because it brought me to Jesus. Brought me to Jesus. I appreciate everything that Jesus has done for me. I know... I have not come to the place where God wants me to be. But I'm surely moving in that direction. There are things that flash through my mind that I understand that God wants me to unfold because when I unfold them, I will discover his purpose for my, the next phase of my life. And it's not about to be folded up and put to one side. It's only just the beginning. So I trust that you would have gained something out of our conversation today. That you would open up to Jesus in a deeper way. You might have walked with Jesus for 20, 40 years. doesn't matter. The Lord, the day is new. The moment you open your eyes, there are new possibilities that needs you to explore and walk into. God bless you. And really, really understand the love of God, the fellowship that he needs to have with you. It is constantly available to you. And all of us are journeying towards that reality. Let's move, move forward in Christ. And let's see the world around us being saved. Even as you see um, all the nonsense that is going around us, do not fear that. Fear God. Fear God. Because God has still got the world in the palm of his hand. If, I mean, that's what we were told, that God is holding the world in the palm of his hand. You think you, a tiny little speck like that, God has got time to be bothered with that? Hey, this world wouldn't exist if I wasn't, uh, if I didn't matter to God, if you didn't matter to God. God created all things so that you can become the custodian of everything that he created. Realize how awesome is your life in God. You are awesome. I wish some of us could realize that. How incredibly well constructed you are put together. You know, if you put all your little parts and see their importance in you, you will be so filled with awe that God took the minutest of things and he placed them at their critical place in your life so that you might be complete. The only thing that God can't control in your life is your will. 
He's left that to you to decide whether you will serve him or whether you won't serve him. He took a big chance. But because he's not a control freak, he has given you the responsibility to choose him, to choose life. And so in choosing life, we're going to partake of the Lord's table this morning because we want our eyes to be unveiled. We want to understand that the love of God, the fellowship of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer that as you bring your emblems to the table, as we would partake of the Lord's table this morning, we thank God for the special care that he took to put you and I together. Let's just partake. All right, family. God bless you and keep you safe. And if you found any help in this, please pass it on. And let others draw strength out of what we share today. Amen. Let's meet again.